God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. It's good to be together and share in the house of the Lord online. We welcome you too this morning. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we give you joy and thanks that we can rest in you, that we can find peace in you, we can find direction through you. Lord, help us as we yearn for much in this world that uh, we pay attention to the depth of our spirit that yearns for you. So Lord, fill us. Uh, fill us with your spirit and with your presence this day of worship. Set me aside that it's your voice that can be heard clearly. In your name I pray. Amen. Does anybody remember the uh, soft drink ad slogan, Obey Your Thirst? What was it? Sprite. 20 years that they led this image that talked about obeying your thirst. But it's interesting where this slogan came from. It began in 1971 when Ronald Reagan was the governor of California. And on one of those scorching Southern California days, he was speaking outside to a group of Boy Scouts. In that time of speaking, he shared a lot of words, but... Toward the end, he got really thirsty, so he stopped, and he drank a glass of water. After finishing that water, it was noticeable that he was refreshed, and he said these words. I've certainly have spoken on a number of different topics today. However, if you are to remember one thing, and only one thing, it should be this. Speeches are nothing. Thirst is everything. Always remember to obey your thirst. And an ad executive in New York took this speech and created the slogan for Sprite that image is nothing, thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. Today's passage is about the woman at the well looking to quench her thirst. And she finds out that the water that she is looking for was not really the water she needed. And so she meets Jesus. Hear their conversation through a scripture paraphrase called the message this morning. And as you hear the scripture read, I encourage you to hear and think of this question. How might what Jesus is offering this woman quench the thirst in all of us? How might what Jesus is offering this woman this morning quench the thirst in all of us. Join me as we read again. I'll be reading from the message. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 3, and some other selected verses. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came to Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field of Jacob, had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water, Jesus said. Would you give me a drink of water? The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with this, and this well is deep. 
So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestors? Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock have passed it down to us. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, go, call your husband, and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put, I have no husband. You have had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth, sure, enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place, place for worship, right? Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through, through the Jews. But the time is coming. In fact, it has come. When, you, when, what, excuse me, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, the Spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves, in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. When He arrives, we will get the whole story. I am He, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. The woman took uh, what Jesus had said to him and left and returned to her city. And then in verse 39, we learn that many of the Samaritans from the village committed themselves to him because of this woman's witness. This is the word of God for us, the children of God. Thanks be to God. So what is it that really drives you? What is it that motivates you. We live in Lakeland and there seem to be houses being built all around us. I recalled a story I'd heard a while back about this entrepreneur home builder who was seeking to motivate his workers to build efficiently and quality. So you know what he did? He began naming streets in the, develop in the developments they were creating by the workers who worked the hardest. And it worked. Their efficiency and quality even grew. What motivates you to get up in the morning? To go to work? To go to school? What do you seek for satisfaction or long for? Is it good health? More money? Good food? And what do you do to obtain it? I think if we're honest, all of us yearn for something deeper. 
something more satisfying. And many times we'll do what it takes to find it. Is it about success or really about satisfaction? What did the woman at the well come to do? She came to satisfy her thirst. Now this well had deep significance for the Jews and we heard it in the scripture. It had been given by Joseph, by his, given to Joseph by his father Jacob and Joseph was buried near here. And when did the woman come? What time of day? Noontime, the middle of the day. A Jewish day was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And here she came in the hottest part of the day. And here she came to a well, not just the one in town, but the one on the outskirts of town, a half mile away. Signifying she must have been a moral outcast or even driven away by her past because she had been looking in many places and in many faces for love. But what was she really looking for? Wholeness. Acceptance. True love. Something that no one has been able to give her and the water that she now was getting to receive was only temporary. Then she meets Jesus, who offers her something else, something satisfying to the soul, a soul-quenching love. We think of this passage, and we think of the woman at the well, and we learn a lot about her and her life. But there's also much that we learn about Jesus through the Scripture, too. I think we really begin to see his humanity in a new and actually refreshing way. What do we learn about Jesus? He was tired. He was exhausted. He had been traveling from Judea to Galilee. Life does take an effort for Jesus, and he does feel the effects and the consequences. He does understand our weariness after a long day at school, a complicated day at work, a confusing or... or uh, filling day with the kids. We're also given some insight into the sympathy that Jesus shows. We know there's to be no interaction between Jews and Samaritans. Jesus shouldn't be talking to this lady, but, but the woman shouldn't be responding to him either. It seems almost that their conversation was natural and flowed easily because they continued to talk and the depth of which they converged. I think, too, we can't read this passage without noticing the significant barrier breaking that Jesus is doing. Jews and Samaritans have been hostile to each other for years, hundreds of years, back to 700 B.C. when the Assyrians took over the northern kingdom. And they took away many of the Jews, but those who remained married many of the foreigners, which under Jewish eyes was forbidden. And a rabbi was forbidden to speak to a woman in public, even one that he was related to. If one did so, they would lose their reputation. And to speak to a woman of this character really was a no-no. But here's Jesus. It didn't bother him. He's not only meeting the needs of this woman, he is offering to them and to others a soul-quenching satisfaction for all who follow him. In other words, satisfaction was not about following the Jewish law. So what is it that Jesus provides? A living water. A living water. 
Once again, in today's scripture, we have a conversation that's taken literally. Remember last week when the youth talked about Nicodemus? And the question was presented about being reborn. And Nicodemus asked, how can a person want to crawl back into their mother's womb? Here we have the woman asking about living water. And she says, great, give me some. That way I don't have to keep coming back and forth to this well every day. She sees Jesus. She recognizes the gifts of Jesus. But does she really understand what he's offering? Do we understand what Jesus is offering us? We know the living water is the Spirit of God. The very presence of God through Christ in our lives. Christ even says that the Spirit is a spring of water that gushes up to eternal life. The psalmist speaks about a thirst for the living God, about panting for the water. Revelation talks about to the thirsty give water. What is this living water? It's a gift only given by God. It's not temporary. It's lasting. It's forever. Each of us, I really believe, has this thirst deep inside of us, deep in our soul, a thirst that only God can satisfy. But here's the question that I think we each have to answer. Will you obey your thirst? Will you obey your thirst for God? Jesus' conversation then takes a turn with this woman. It becomes personal. After Jesus offers this gift of living water, and the woman asks for it kind of really in a mocking sense, Jesus says to her to go get her husband. Instantly, the woman's brought back to reality. She's confronted with her shortcomings, her brokenness, her inadequacies, her sin. You ever been there? You've been in a close conversation, and the conversation is going really good, and you're feeling really good and connected in what is taking place, and wham, the conversation changes. It gets serious. It gets personal. And we begin to be confronted with perhaps some of our own weaknesses. This is only amplified when we see ourselves in the presence of Christ. We don't feel worthy. Actually, we feel dirty. And we are. The realization of our sin and the life we are living won't do. We're in desperate need for God. We're in desperate need of satisfying the quench, of satisfying the thirst that our soul has and the quenching of the thirst that Jesus offers. So let me take a turn in our conversation this morning. What wells are you drinking from? What wells do you travel to? Where places do you go that you're seeking satisfaction what kind of things do you perpetually chase after only to find yourself less satisfied time and time again do you find yourself thirsting for more likes or even worse love in all the wrong places we're desperate we're desperate for that satisfaction for that real connection but often we won't 
get out of the shallow water. I think the beauty of Christ is that when he confronts this woman with her inadequacies, he doesn't leave her alone. He doesn't leave her on her own for solutions. And the same is true for us. What does she want to know? She wants to know where she can go worship. It seems that her act of worship is the way that she gets rid of this sin. Sacrifices especially would have been offered. Which place, which mountain can I go and sacrifice? In a real sense, where can I go and find God? And the living water that will satisfy the thirst of my soul and make me clean. And what does Christ tell her? There's not one place we go. Everywhere. God is everywhere. He's the one spirit that gives us living water that deeply satisfies and gushes up to eternal life. It's through this passage that we begin to experience true worship. We begin to get a picture of what true worship looks like. And we begin to understand this distinction between the Jews and the Samaritans. For the Samaritans, it was the mountain of Gerizim, and Jerusalem was the place for the Jews. The Samaritans used part of the Old Testament. Where, So as we begin to reflect on worship, we recognize that the object of worship is more than a place. That worship's not just an emotional response, and we don't worship out of obligation. What was this woman trying to do? She wanted to do it right. She wanted to follow the ritual. She wanted to take care of what she thought would rid herself of her inadequacies. What do we do when we come to worship? It's not just a practice. It's not just a ritual that we take place. But it's a time to glorify, to praise, to grow in understanding and our knowledge of love for God and for others. And it's an opportunity for transformation. Christ reiterates that God is spirit and he has no limits. So why is it that we often offer to God our limited self rather than our whole self? It's only when our spirit meets the spirit of God that our yearning can be fulfilled. I think that's worship. It's only when our spirit meets the spirit of God that our deepest yearnings can be fulfilled. And that's worship. Think about this. Who does Jesus share all this with? Who does Jesus give this insight into who he is and what he came to do and the worship that he offers? Is he teaching it to the Jews? Is it his disciples that he's talking to? He's talking to a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman, revealing the truth and the life. There's no exclusive club that has sole access to the deep well of eternal life. Sometimes it's in those unexpected relationships that have the potential to reveal the deep, deep wells of spiritual truth. 
that yes, Jesus the Messiah has come. He is the Christ. That he's come to satisfy our deepest longings too. So let us quit looking. Let us quit thirsting for love in all the wrong places. I've shared a lot with you this morning. If you are to remember one thing, only one thing, remember this. Image and words are nothing. Thirst is everything. Obey your thirst for God. The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.